Hello everyone, welcome to Tennis with an Accent. The first slam is less than a day away and uh, we are here to preview. This is Saqib hosting the show and uh, I'm joined by, you know, some of the good friends that we made on the course of this podcast. Uh, no introduction are really needed if you have listened to our podcast last year. Andrew Burton is joining from Texas. Uh, Susan Reed taking time uh, out uh, on a busy day from UK and Mert Atunga from Pittsburgh. Welcome guys. Hello. Hey, Saqib. Hello everyone. Let's get right into the action. Uh, the narrative in the tennis world for the last few months are actually going back to the federal comeback last year. It's, held, it's been comebacks and stories and people have taken time off and boat tours. And uh, this Australian Open was supposed to be the marquee event where a lot of comebacks were taking place. And unfortunately, Serena Williams and Andy Murray won't be here, but there are still plenty of players who are on our radar and everybody's intrigued to see what level of tennis they bring in. Uh, so, Andrew... Uh, uh, who's on their comeback radar and uh, what are your expectations of, you know, some of the big names that are making their first appearance in Australia in a while? I think on the the men's side, the number one player that everyone is, is looking to see how he does in Australia uh, is the former number one, Novak Djokovic. Uh, took six months off after having to retire in his last match at Wimbledon against Berdik. Uh, was due to play in the Abu Dhabi um, exhibition event at Mubadala and then to go on to Doha, but wasn't able to compete in those events. Uh, played an exhibition match against Dominique Thiem uh, in Kuyong and um, a quick hit with Hewitt in the, uh, the tie-break tens event. Uh, Djokovic... You know, moved pretty well in the match that I saw. Uh, backhand looked uh, pretty solid. The most obvious thing that people noted was his um, service motion had changed, I think, fairly significantly. He's 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 spoken in his pre-match in his pre-tournament press conference that the service motion was causing his elbow the most trouble. And that's the thing that he's been working on. And I think that he's coming into the Australian Open, as is another player, Stan Vavrinka, really trying to see how recovered his body is. Now, Vavrinka had surgery, Djokovic didn't. But I think in, in, in both players' cases, they're, they're, they're really testing their body so both of them are Grand Slam winners. Obviously, Djokovic is a five-time uh, Australian Open winner. Um, so Djokovic is, is, is one of the players that you typically expect to go deep. But uh, whether he's able to go deep this time around really depends on how his body responds. And he's got a reasonably tough draw as well. So uh, he's the number one player I'm looking out for. Uh, some really good points there. Really good points. Uh, so extending the conversation on Djokovic, Matt, uh, last time you know we talked about you know coaching changes of Wawrinka and Norman. Djokovic too has some uh, you know new voices. I guess he was announced uh, deal last year. He was there in Roland Garros, and then Djokovic cut his season after Wimbledon, and now he has uh, the recent retiree Radek Stepanek. Uh, what's your take on this partnership? And uh, uh, there's no coaching resume that Stepanek was playing tennis till late October. Uh, what do you think he brings to Camp Djokovic? And uh, Djokovic, you know, 
pretty much a new team this year. Yeah, the completely fresh team. Let me throw another person in there, which is Craig Shaughnessy, who who uh, is on Twitter as Brain Game Tennis, but does a lot yeah. of analysis for the ATP and other uh, areas. Focuses a lot on the the first four shots in rallies and and patterns of play. Um, the 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 brand new Djokovic team, I think. I don't think we should focus too much on the Australian Open, frankly, or even the first quarter of 2018. I think we should look at 2018 as, as a whole and see how Djokovic really reinvents his game as um, he's clearly looking to do. Uh, so, Susie, there are other people in Djokovic's half, like Gael Monfils. Uh, he's been also away from tour for a while. Uh, what do you make of his uh, win in Doha and how, you know... Uh, how much of a factor he can be in this tournament? Oh, my goodness. It's really interesting that you should bring in Monfils so quickly because, for me, he is one of the potential dark horses, particularly in that section. I really um, am interested in what Andrew had to say about Djokovic because his section is incredibly open. If you look at that section, there's a question of form. There's a question of people on the comeback, i.e. himself, i.e. Stan, i.e. Monfils, who hasn't really done much in the last sort of last quarter of last year. Um and, you know, on paper, you should be thinking, yes, Djokovic, six-time winner, he should be coming through. But as we've just said, you know, how much tennis has he actually played at top level in practice prior to this tournament? And Monfils, for me, is potentially someone who could actually put him out of the tournament already in round two. I really do believe that. Even though there is a 0-15 head-to-head, huh? That's a likelihood. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I find some of these comebacks extremely interesting. For me, the Djokovic comeback is more about motivation and how he is going to integrate that completely new team into his his everyday life. I think he has brought this holistic method to his team. I think that explains why he's brought Craig on board. Um, and I just hesitate to see whether he's re- to say whether he's really ready for that full blooded battle yet. Stan, for me, is a completely different story. I think it's far too soon. I'm going to actually put my neck on the block and say that. He, for me, is at the same stage that Roger was at when Roger tried to come back too early in mid-2016 and ended up, obviously, taking the time off post-Wimbledon. I think Stan has said, right, I just want to see where my body's at. I don't think he has any expectations at all. Um, And I don't see him lasting more than a round. All right, so Mert, uh, we spoke about Wawrinka and Norman, uh, you know, so that was a, a you know conversation we can always go back. And you said that time, uh, Norman, you know, checking out, uh, maybe, you know, we didn't know the extent of the Wawrinka situation and now we have to follow this. But my question to you is, uh, just to elaborate on what Andrew said, uh, a guy like Djokovic changes his service motion. Uh, can the dividends be seen right away? Because this is a very important stroke and... And Djokovic has had a different motion for entire career. Now he changed it. So what technical adjustments, uh, you know, can be worked at this level this quickly? Well, the uh, the, the the change the change on the service motion is obviously the, uh, made because of the uh, because of the injury or to avoid further injuries on the, on the elbow. And the main change is that he went from a full clock rotation on the um, on the toss of the ball to where he takes the elbow up. And, uh, and the racket back directly and kind of does the, the instead of fluid one clockwork uh, rotation, he's doing um, 
the, 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 the motion in two stages. And for, for a short period of time, he might lose a little bit of power, uh, which he should get back in the long term. But also he will add, um, he will be able to place his serve better or he will be able to control the location of, the, of where the ball bounces within the, within the service box. Now, having said all that, let's keep in mind that Djokovic's serve was never his main weapon in, in, in his play. And, uh, and I think that uh, uh, perhaps a, a small loss of velocity on his first serve for, uh, for just a little while or even throughout this tournament is not going to make that big a difference, in my opinion. I think that he will... Uh, he will uh, what's more important is really how he handles the second serves. If this new motion ends up, you know, results in a number of double faults becoming a problem, or or him not be feeling confident enough to place the serve on a uh, in the box wherever he wants in the second serve, so therefore just to kind of spin it in and hope that it goes in, then it becomes a second serve that opponents can attack and can lead to double faults. So um, I'm more interested in that. But let, let me let me make one thing clear. Yeah. I think in Djokovic in Djokovic's case to say that uh, to say that he will not be ready to, to to play this tournament would be the same mistake as many people made 12 months ago when they said uh, Federer is not ready to you know after a long time off Federer is not ready to uh, to 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 play 100% here or Nadal is not ready to play 100% here if Djokovic's arm his elbow is not a problem He's a force to be reckoned with, and he can go very far in this tournament. I do, I do not believe that if 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 he has zero arm problems, I do not believe Monfils can beat Djokovic uh, in the, the in the in the second round were they to play. I think, uh, uh, and if Djokovic makes it past Monfils and uh, and and gets into the third or fourth round, and his arm is fine, in other words, he has zero pain in his elbow, then I'm really looking forward to his match against uh, Alexander Zverev, hoping that Zverev makes it there in the fourth round. That'll be a, that, that'll be a match to watch. Okay, so we'll, uh, we'll get back to the draw analysis a little later, and that's a match obviously we would all want to talk about. It's a mouth-watering uh, opportunity for tennis fans, seeing Sasha Zverev going toe-to-toe with Novak Djokovic. But uh, let me ask Susie one more question since uh, we are still talking comebacks. There's another type of comeback which Maria Sharapova is going to experience. She's going to be playing in Melbourne after... You know whatever she went through in the last, you know, two years. So, uh, what do you make of that comeback, uh, and how open uh, of a chance does she have uh, at this year's major? She's in a very tough section of the draw. I don't know if you've had a look at it, but she's potentially got a second round match against Sevastova, um, who beat her obviously at the U.S. Open. She's going to be as competitive as we as we can possibly expect her to be. She's going to be so pleased to be back there. She's going to be so pleased to be back on the big stage. And she's going to want to show us what she's capable of. I would never, ever write her off. The only thing that makes me hesitate slightly in terms of how deep she can go is, A, the section of the draw she's got. She's got Kerber in her small section. And secondly, is that she has the tendency of late to be a relatively slow starter. She's had a lot of three set matches where she drops the first set and then expends an awful lot of energy turning the match around. And either she continues to to keep the energy up and she drives through to a three set victory 
or she can then drop her energy and she ends up getting beaten. So I think it's a little bit of an unknown, but I look forward to seeing the competitive nature of her back on the court. Whatever one thinks of what has happened, you know, it's good to have her back there. Absolutely. Uh, so let's, uh, you know, uh, take this opportunity to take a deeper dive into the, you know, the ladies' draw. And uh, Simona Hylop is coming in as a odds maker favorite, and she's, you know, uh, re-signed uh, Darren Cahill, and it's a, you know, happy camp there. So, uh, is she your favorite too, Susie? Uh, going in uh, the first major of the year. She's she's my favorite to come through her section of the draw. Um, it's quite hard to see past her if she continues to play with what looks to be a happier disposition. She seems to have slightly more grown into her number one position, her number one ranking. Um, and therefore, if she can continue to play with that disposition, then I can only see positives for her. In terms of her section of the draw, you have got Kvitova lurking there, but Petra has never really had a happy time in Australia. She has struggled with the heat in the past. Um, I'm not sure that her consistency will be consistency will be totally back. Um, Barty is an unknown there. She could spring a surprise. We haven't really seen in that um, top quarter what Pliskova has been like at the start of the season. She's been a little bit up and down. Um, but at the moment, I've got Hallett coming through that that top quarter. Have you studied the draw? I'm sure Petra Kvitova's first round match against uh, Andrea Petkovic. Uh, a few years ago, this would have been a marquee matchup. Uh, Mert, do you want to take this? If uh, does Petkovic still have the game to knock off a big gun like uh, Petra Kvitova at a major? I, I don't think so. I think Kvitova will win that uh, first round uh, in 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 straight sets. I I, um, I would be I would be surprised, very surprised if Petkovic. Uh, pulls an upset there and and I am looking forward to the Halep Kvitova match so I, I agree with just about everything Susie said about that section er, earlier I do believe though that Barty represents a real danger to Halep I actually have Barty um, going to the quarterfinals from that section I, I have uh, I don't I, I find Halep's draw quite uh, difficult and I and, and I realize that it's a bit of an upset call but uh, but Halep's Halep's got a difficult draw. Uh, if he's go- if if she's going to keep going, she's going to have to beat Kvitova, uh, the winner of Barty and Vesnina. Uh, by the way, Barty has a has a very difficult uh, first couple of rounds herself. She's gonna she's going to play she's going to play Arena Sabalenka uh, in the very first round, a, a hot player. And then, um, and then after her, if she if she gets past her, she's got Georgie and the winner of Georgie and a qualifier. That'll be a t- tough second round. Then she's got to take on Vesnina. Now, if Barty makes it makes it past those players and gets to play Halep in the, in the fourth round, I think she has a legitimate chance to beat Halep. Also, uh, the, the, I find I'm I'm um, I'm I usually uh, I'm I'm usually at the, impressed with uh, with Barty's play because she can place the ball at uh, with a lot of power on a dime that you put uh, on the other side of the court. So she's she's got an ability to hit winners, and she struggles usually with players who either get every single ball back at a at a at a, at a certain mid pace uh, rhythm, or she struggles with players who maybe can out hit her. And uh, and Halep is kind of in the middle of those two. So I do think Barty has a chance to beat uh, Halep. And from and um, and from the uh, well, Pliskova is a question mark for me. Yes, she can go far. Or or she may not, but uh, I'm gonna make a bold, uh, really crazy uh, 
prediction here. It's not a prediction, actually, but as my most outrageous possible first-round upset pick, I have Cepede, I have Cepede Roy beating Pliskova. But that's, uh, again. Wow. Yeah, yeah. But, the, you know, in fact, when you started talking about that section first, I said to myself, am I really going to have to say this first? But, uh, yeah. <laughs> Good for you. <laughs> so, uh, Andrew or Susie, you going to take the next one. Uh, what's the status of Johanna Conta coming in? I know she withdrew against uh, Svetlina a week ago. Is she ready to go? I... <sighs> I would like to say she's ready to go, but I think we need more time with the new coach. She clearly, and she's actually said as much, said that she has had issues with her confidence. There was an interview that she gave with Simon Briggs in The Telegraph, and she actually talked about her desire to try and reduce her level of panic on court in certain situations. So I'm hoping that, you know, obviously Joyce can, can help with that because she got to such a high level with Fissette last year and then it all collapsed really quite badly over the summer and into the autumn. Um, so I think we're doing some building blocks here with the new coach. However, if you look at her draw, she has got the possibility of building that confidence over, you know, the first two or three matches. If she gets through her first round against Madison Brengel, then she's either going to have to play a qualifier or, or Gasparian, who has been out of the game for, for some time. Um, and then who knows if she gets through Strichova, she's suddenly in the fourth round. So I think it's really, you know, cliche to say it, but it is absolutely match by match. And how is her mood on the day? And is her confidence there? And can Joyce give her that that reassurance before she goes on court? Because, you know, at the end of the day, she's still a, a top 10 like, player. Can, can I um, add one thing to that section that Susie just talked about? Um, I again, Susie hit it right on the nose. Uh, she, Michael Joyce, by the way, is one of the more able uh, coaches on the tour. So uh, we will see how it works out. And it is a match per match thing. Um, I, the Strikova there is a, uh, I, you know, we, I did mention her earlier, but uh, Strikova is a very dangerous player. Four players like uh, four players like Conta and Pliskova, who who are hard flat. Uh, hitters who, or who, who try to finish the point early. She's very fast. She gets to a lot of balls. She does have variety on her on her, uh, on her her shots, and she can turn the match into a nightmare for players like Conta and Pliskova. So if Conta can, uh, can, can, can make it pass, I think she will make it pass Brangle. But if she can make it pass her second round and then, uh, and then beat Strikova in the third round, I think that step-by-step -step, uh, process that uh, Susie just talked about becomes a lot easier. Okay, Matt, uh, let me ask you one more thing on this section with uh, Pliskova and Kanta. If the coaches are playing as fast as last year, and let's include even Halep in this, so who's, who does this uh, help out uh, playing style-wise? Yeah, it, 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 it helps out Kanta, it helps out Pliskova, and it helps out Barty if the courts are fast from that section. It does not help. It does. I don't think it helps Halep in that question. It, it might even hurt her against Kvitova if the courts are that fast. Uh, so, uh, Andrew, uh, let's talk about Garbinia Muguruza. She uh, won Wimbledon uh, last year. Uh, how do you fancy her chances and what are your expectations uh, purely uh, from her at the first major of the year? Well, Muguruza, 
to, and this is going to sound really strange, but but she reminds me, at least in terms of her, um, the outcomes in, in tournaments of, of a player like Stan Wawrinka, which is, you know, when she gets to the, the quarterfinals and beyond, she can she can be an absolute contender, but her level is so up and down that, that if, if you're a, a big Muguruza fan and I really enjoy her game, just seeing her make her way through the first rounds is, is something of a challenge, although she doesn't have a, 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 a huge draw in the first couple of rounds, but then she's got Radwanska, uh, you know, lurking at the the round of 32 stage. What she also has, so when I was hearing the, the discussion of Conta and um, confidence, I was thinking, well, what about Angelique Kerber, who, you know, had this fantastic 2016 and then sort of completely dropped off the radar screen in 2017, but came back to, to win one of the warm-up tournaments in Sydney just before the Australian Open. And so she's now um, you know, possibly coming in with a little bit of renewed confidence. But a few places below her on the draw sheet, you've got Maria Sharapova. So that's a potential marquee matchup in the first week in, in this section. Uh, in the rest of the draw, you've got possibly you know, one of the, the tournament dark horses, uh, Caroline Garcia from France, who had a tremendous end to the season, you know, a big run to the, uh, to the tour finals. Um, Madison Keys, who uh, made it through to the, the US Open final, kind of dropped off the radar a little bit towards the, the last part of the season. So, so a lot of really quite intriguing matchups in that section. Hmm. Uh, interesting comparison there with Stan Wawrinka. Uh, let's you know, let's revisit this you know week's time if Muguruza you know goes deep and starts you know uh, playing like her ranking. Uh, so, Susie, uh, do you see Radwanska going through and actually keeping the date with Muguruza, or you think the uh, you know the Pliskova twin, you know uh, Christina? You think she has a say? I know we've talked about her in the past. She's very talented. You think she has a game to knock off Aga? I think that Radvanskul actually will come through that because her movement is much, much better. I think that um, Carolina's movement is better than her twin, Christina, and I think that Aga's movement is better than the twins as well. I think that Aga will play Garbina. I think one thing I'd like to add to what Andrew said about Garbina is that it's very hard to bet against her, even though she seems to come in to slams sometimes seemingly not quite fit or maybe slightly off kilter she obviously struggled with the heat in her warm-up matches and then she seemed to aggravate her thigh injury but I can remember when she came into Wimbledon and people were not quite sure about her fitness and her preparation and her her, her injury status and she ended up winning it so it's it's quite difficult to bet against her I've got her coming through all the way to the fourth round and then I have got as Andrew said this blockbuster match against Kerber who I do see beating Sharapova um and that could be a very 50-50 match I think Kerber against Garbine and it's the only 
the only reason that I've got Kerpa coming through that match is because of her streak that she's currently on, where she has just demonstrated that she has gone straight back to that 2016 form. Goodness knows what Wim Fisser has done with her in the pre-season work that they've done, but she has come back a different person. Like you said, rightfully, it is the section, you know, uh, to look for. It's a lot of uh, talent loaded with, you know, potential matchups. So let's, it's going to be interesting to keep an eye on this section. Uh, Murth, how do you see uh, Madison Keys uh, draw? Uh, and what are your expectations? Uh? And, you know, that's, uh, that section of the draw, that Madison Keys in, that quarter of the draw, which is the fourth quarter from the top of the draw, uh in it's it's in great contrast to the section that we just talked about you know in the section that we just talked about we have five five players that could possibly come out from that section and not just come out from that section but perhaps even win the tournament whereas you move down to the yeah. to the section below with uh with Kiki Mladenovic, Madison Keys, Lucic Baroni and Garcia as the as the four seeds and there you have a ton of players who have a great opportunity to, uh, to, to reach the quarterfinals of a major without having to face a marquee name. And, uh, and, and you know, you've got – I mean, I can't think of a better opportunity for Madison Keys to get back to her winning ways or to get back to, 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 to add another major yeah. to, her, um, to her career where she can, she can go far. She's, you know, she's got she's – got, uh, she's got Kiki Mladenovic, who hasn't won a match in a long time. On, on her side, if in the third round, even if Mladenovic even makes it that far. But the bottom line is, uh, I have Keys coming out from that side all the way to the quarterfinals, and I'm thinking that she may be able to pull that off without even losing a set. Uh, I and, and 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 you know, it's not just Keys there. Even for a player like Lucic Baroni, or even for a player like Garcia, this is a great opportunity to go far, yes. even for some unseeded players in that section. I mean, the, you, there's a player by the name of Marketa Vondrusova, who's, a, who's, who's one of the more talented youngsters in the WTA. And she's, she's playing Kurumi Nara first round. And if she, if she wins, she's going to face most likely Garcia. And, uh, and then you got Shelby Rogers, for example, who's not even seeded. And she's playing Lucic Baroni in the first round. And I can't, I can't count her out. I mean, I, some of these, that's, that's the section of the draw that may produce uh, a, what, what you would call an unseated dark horse uh, to reach the, the, the quarterfinals also. But Madison Keys remains my main pick from that side. Just a very quick um, uh, postscriptum on that one. I'm also looking at Sasnovich, who had a very good tournament in Shenzhen, um, and she of the unseeded players is the one that just slightly more leaps off the page. If she can keep that confidence going, she had a great run to that final. Um, she could well come through to even play against Garcia. Uh, I know, I mean, uh, this is a wealth of opinions here, uh, but I'll still throw in a two cents of my own. I somehow have my Stan Wawrinka comparison with Caroline Garcia. I think uh, if she does break through, she can someone, she's someone I believe who can you know, put on a string of few wins. Uh, right now, you know, she's in that category, you know, very talented and, and has not done it. And I think that's how we saw Wawrinka when he was with Lundgren and all of a sudden the floodgates opened when Norman came. So uh, that's my dark horse for a while now and I'm going to stick with Garcia. But And Saki, that's actually a good call because Garcia struggles against players who get uh, who get a lot of balls back, who make her hit 
you know, that, that seventh, eighth, ninth, tenth ball back. And when I'm looking at her little section right there, she actually has a lot of players who play similar style to her own style. And, uh, and that's, that, that, that should favor her. So that's not a bad call at all. I have her beating keys, so we'll see. <laughs> nice. So let me go back to Susie. Susie, how do you see the Venus williams belinda Bentich matchup? Uh, that's a pretty Oh, goodness me. What a marquee first round. I mean, to be absolutely honest, I'm quite sad for both of them because, you know, one of them has to lose. And you you don't want either to go out. Belinda had such a fantastic last three months of the year, winning all that, winning all those, you know, um, high level ITF tournaments. She had a great Hopman Cup. She's hitting the ball beautifully. Her rhythm is back. She's smiling on the court. She looks much much fitter. Um, so hey, you don't want to lose her early, but at the same time, you don't want to lose V early. Um, I actually have Benchich winning that match. Purely because I think if it does go to a three-setter, I could see Bencic outlasting V. Um, I'd be interested to know what you think about that match, Mert. Yeah. Oh, I'm I'm sorry. Okay, uh, Susie, you, you you had to do this, didn't you? But uh, okay, I <laughs> I have Venus Williams winning the tournament, so I'm not. I can't. Pick it. Yes, I do. I I do so I can't. Uh, all, but I, although I agree with just about everything you say uh, on on Benchich, yes, she's on the she's on the comeback. I really wish they didn't have to play each other either. I would have loved to see. I am a Benchich fan, personally. I, that's one. That's uh, that's a player that I really enjoy watching, and game wise, I feel that she has a lot of potential. And I'm really happy to see her on the on the on the trail back, just like you say. I just think that that is a terrible uh, draw for her. I, I don't believe she has the um, she has the goods yet to uh, to beat Venus Williams. I I don't think Venus Williams' uh, uh, condition is a, it will be a problem, especially in the first week. Um, if anything at all, I'm more interested in that little section to see how um, how Makarova will do. Uh, she's got uh, she's she's playing Begu first round, and then she's going to play the winner of Uit Van Uit Van and Martic. And uh, if she makes it through the third third round from those two uh, tough matches, she'll be ready to play Venus Williams or Belinda Bencic and Susie's draw, <laughs> and that'll be a that'll be a, that'll be a great match. But uh, yeah, the the the, the but the but the the uh, so to so to speak the uh, the main question here can Gerges ca- capitalize on uh, on this late form, right? And uh, she's in that she's in that section also. Uh, and then, and then, and then there's the other quarter after that. But I guess we'll get to that a little bit later. But yes, in that section, I, I still have uh, Venus Williams coming going to the quarterfinals on my draw. Okay, I have Gerges because I think she's just. I mean, she played so beautifully in that final against was against Wozniacki. I. <laughs> I just hesitate with V. Every year I want her to be winning tournaments, and I just think, is she going to run out of energy? Is she going to run out of steam? I, I'm, I just, I'm hedging my bets. I think probably by calling Benchish as the winner there. The, Susie, you're making a good point. The, the, the thing the, the, about about Williams's uh, uh, energy, however, um, I'm looking at the the players that she has to face. And Benchish, yes, it's a very tough first round. Don't get me wrong; it's a very tough first round. And uh, yeah, we can argue, we can make an argument that it's a bad draw for uh, for Williams, but I think it's worse for Benchich. Uh, Benchich would have had a better chance against another seeded player, uh, in my opinion, rather than Venus Williams. But I'm looking at that little section right there, and I don't see 
many players that are going to sit there and make Williams run from corner to corner in a long match. Even a, even Gerges, um, who's who's a hard hitter, will will maybe make uh, Venus run. Um, you know, for two shots, three shots, but then in the fourth or fifth shot, she will either hit the winner or make a mistake. I, uh, the, you know, I don't see a Kerber, for example, in, in that uh, in that section of the draw, or I don't see a, a player like Makarova. Uh, actually, no, she's. I'm sorry, Makarova is in there. I meant Halep, not Makarova. Makarova is in that section, but uh, I don't see a player like Halep is that's going to make Williams hit. Uh, uh, you know, 10, 15 shots uh, running from corner to corner. That's why I think Williams could easily make it to the second uh, the second week and not be uh, not be out in the tank department. I think a lot of it will depend on her serve. But anyway, we need to move on, don't we, to that next section. I can't see anyone but Svitolina coming through. I don't know if you've got there, Mert. That's, that's what I have also, yes. So is, let me ask you all one by one. So is it Stevens versus Fitolina in round of 16, Susie? Sorry, Stevens in... No. Um, yes, potentially, but I haven't got Stevens winning her first round. I've got her beaten by <laughs> Zhang Shui. I think that Stevens is out of sorts. Andrew, your take on Stevens, the US Open champion. I, I concur with Susie. Uh, it's it's hard to see her, her going deep, but uh, she she's had a tough draw against someone ranked just outside the seeds. So uh, yeah, that that's one of the matches to look for in the first round. Yeah, I'm in the same boat. I, I think uh, Stevens's first challenge is to make it past the first round, and she's got uh, she's got a tough player. Zhang Shuai is indeed a a tough player. I don't have Stevens advancing uh, to the fourth round to play Svitolina either. I actually have uh, Jennifer Brady, but that's a completely, um, again, I made a completely uh, wild pick there because Kasatkina is the seeded player in that, from that uh, area. Sure. Uh, next section brings us to, you know, the matchup of generation with uh, Schiavone going against, uh, you know, Ostapenko. How do you see that one, Mert? The first round match. Okay. And is it a section that, you know, she's expected to dominate, giving her, you know, opponents could be counterweight in the round of 32? I see Ostapenko winning that one. Yes, I think uh, I think uh, Ostapenko has a good draw. Uh, I, she, she, in my opinion, she could not have asked for a better draw. So she would, I don't think she even has to play her best to make it to the fourth round there, except uh, the only player that, of danger that I see... Um, uh, posing for Ostapenko, and it's beca- only because it's a bad matchup for Ostapenko. But will that player make it that far? Is Alexandra Krunic? If Krunic can upset, uh, yeah, if Krunic can upset uh, Kontaveit in the first round because they're playing each other, that's a that's a great first round match, by the way, in my opinion. But if Krunic upsets Kontaveit and gets to play Ostapenko in the third round, she's the only one in that section, in my opinion, that could give uh, her trouble. But Ostapenko is in the fourth round, in my. Uh, my draw. I've gone out on a limb and I have got Krunic beating Ostapenko because I I just wonder whether she's going to lose her patience against her. She seemed very impatient in her, her prep tournaments leading up to the Australian Open. 
Um, I know that her Annabelle Medina wasn't there. I'm not quite sure what that coaching situation is actually, actually at the moment, Mert. Can you enlighten us? Because she wasn't there for her prep tournaments, but she's now arrived. Is she going to be in her box? No, that's, that's a good question. I'm not, I'm not up to date on that either. Because I felt that she was very impatient and whether that was just because of her mindset at the time, but if she is impatient like that against someone like Krunic, she will be completely unraveled. Okay, so let's uh, take a gradual move to the next section with the, uh, actually still part of the section, Sibukova and Coco Vandeve as the two seeds. Uh, Susie, you see Timea Babos challenging uh, Coco Vandeve, who's been one of a positive player since Pat Cash came, and is she the favorite to come through this little section? She is for me. Um, she wasn't particularly impressive at the Hotman Cup, but I, I take some of the Hotman Cup results with a pinch of salt. Um, I think she really does have the game, the big game to go deep into this tournament. And I've got her going all the way to the quarterfinals. Um, Suarez Navarro has, you know, it's not a comeback for her, but she's been very up and down. Monica Puig still doesn't seem to find any consistency. Samantha Stowe's are the same. There is, you know, there's Kai Kanepi lurking there. There's Chibulkova in terms of her feistiness lurking there, but I can't see anybody getting past Coco. That's a very entertaining little section of the draw, by the way. The four, the four players that Susie just mentioned. You got Chibulkova playing uh, uh, Kanepi, and then Stoser playing Puig, and uh, that's those are hard matches to pick. And then the winner of them are going to play each other. That's that's another. Um, uh, Tasty matchup, but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm with Susie on this. Vandeweghe should uh, should come out from that section. All right, so that brings us to the last section of, uh, I believe, uh, if you haven't skipped one, uh, yeah, Caroline Wozniacki. Uh, he's coming in as number two. You know, has been always talked about as one of the best players not to get over the hump. Uh, how do you see her starting this tournament, Mert? You got cut off there. Which player are you asking I'm about? Talking about Wozniacki. Uh, you know, we're looking at her section, and she's the number two seed. Is this a big opportunity here? Yes, yes. So, you know, we were talking in back when we were talking about the bottom section of the uh, of the first uh, part of the draw. We talked about some players who have a great opportunity, and here's uh, the you know Wozniacki's um, draw. In my opinion, gives her a great opportunity to go to go far in this tournament. The only um, uh, you know, she's. So I read in a lot of places, and I know some. A couple of my friends actually, who are um, who are coaches themselves, consider that first round to be tricky against Buzarnescu, but um, but I don't think so. I don't think so. I think Wozniacki is precisely the type of player that uh, Buzarnescu has uh, has trouble playing against. Uh, just getting a lot of balls balls back because Buzarnescu can is is very creative. She's a shot maker. But she gets frustrated when a lot of balls kind of, uh, begin to come back her, her way. And Wozniacki can get a lot of balls back. So I see her going um, all the way to the fourth round there. I do like Pavlyuchenkova a lot. But for but again, against Wozniacki, I don't for the same reasons that I mentioned for Buzarnescu. Uh, so um, I don't see who, who can really give... Um, Wozniacki a lot of trouble. I think she will make it to the quarterfinals, and it'll be a great contrast of style if uh, if Van and Wozniacki end up playing each other. Yeah, I have the same picks. I, 
I have the same picks. I think it's a really interesting little section. There's lots of little mini battles for players to actually make names for themselves, to get their points, their ranking up. But in the end, I think that Pavlyuchenkova and Wars will come through and then Wars will then... Susie, do you have, uh, just out of curiosity, how, how do you see the uh, Kiki Burton's uh, CC Bellis match go? I have Burton's winning that in terms of sheer weight of shot. Right, so I think we've covered, uh, you know, the entire uh, women's draw. So let me put you all, you know, uh, on the spot and ask you who will be lifting the trophy in two weeks' time and who will be on the other side as a losing finalist. So who wants to go first? I'll go first. I've got uh, I've got Ashley Barty and Kerber playing one semifinals, and I've got Kerber um, going to the finals from the top of the draw. And I've got Venus Williams and Wozniacki playing the other semifinals. I've got Williams beating Wozniacki this time around. And I've got Venus Williams winning the tournament. Okay, so you, that's that's a very bold move. Uh, and uh, Susie, who do you have winning this whole thing? <laughs> yeah. Before I before I reveal all with my, my crystal ball, can I just say that if that happened, Mert, I would be so happy. <laughs> <laughs> but but I will. I, th I think we can all agree that uh, this Australian Open's women's draw. I mean, I just said my picks as if I was saying, okay, I'm going to go to this coffee shop and then go there and buy this with conviction. But no, I'm I, I'm I'm not making these picks with a lot of conviction at all. This is one of the most uh, open uh, major draws that that uh, unpredictable major draws that I've ever seen in recent years. And, and it's credit to the, to the women's game, to the depth in the women's game, just like Conta was saying in her presser. I'm so glad you said that. And I'm so glad you referred to Conta's comments, because I think a lot of people, when they look at this draw, they say, Oh, it's so open. In other words, you know, nobody is strong enough, but actually I, I agree with you. It reflects just how strong they all are and just what great matchups there are in the, in the top 30 women at the moment. And yes. my picks, just to be very quick, because obviously we want to move on, is I have Halep and Kerber coming through in, in one semi-final and Svitolina and Wozniak in the other. And then, and this was a bloody hard decision, I must tell you, I have actually got Svitolina winning her first major, beating Kerber in the final. I'll throw my two cents in the ring. Um, the... Yes, the, there is a lot of depth in the, the WTA. There isn't a lot of um, stability in the sense that uh, that's another way of saying you never know who is going to come through. So my pick is the winner of the uh, the Vandewey uh, Wozniacki uh, quarterfinal to go all the way. To beat Simona Halep, who will have another near, so near but yet so far, defeat in the final against Coco Vandewey. Sakip, can I make one more point on um, very quickly? Is do we have time? Just very quickly on just to build on what uh, what uh, Andrew said. Um, I think what I would love to see WTA. Uh, some of the elite players in WTA right now build some some long lasting rivalries. I think that with that uh, I, I believe that's what the, the the WTA needs. If you look at the great eras in the past of uh, of women's tennis, you've always had two or three elite players uh, building on a rivalry for years and years, and that's what attracts um, attention. That's what attracts popularity and new uh, new new tennis fans to the sport. And uh, the, that's what I would like to see. Perhaps instead of uh, instead of complete unpredictability. 
or one player dominating the field. It would be great if we had the two or three rivalries among the top players built up. In other words, they play each other again and again in the uh, semis and finals of uh, majors. Okay. So like I said, you know, let's keep track on all these, you know, expert uh, predictions and it'll be fun. Uh, we'll poke each other, you know, if the uh, upset comes through. So we've covered a lot here and let's switch uh, to the other uh, Australian Open draw, which is the men's draw. And uh, this is uh, Rafa Nadal, the world number one, is also coming back after, you know, missing uh, some action earlier in this uh, young year. And uh, I don't know if uh, we all agree, but I think he, of the, all the top men, he seems to have uh, the, quite the safest draw as far as, you know, on paper goes. And, of course, the matches have to be won. So what do you think uh, of his section, Mert? And uh, does he have the easy draw? Yes, he does. I think he, uh, if, if he wanted to uh, design a draw himself, uh, he would have uh, he would have done this, this, this type of job himself, I believe. Um, he's got, um, first of all, when you look at his, the, 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 the very, the very uh, top section of the draw, you've got... Um, You've got several clay court specialists, and then you've got um, you've got uh, the, you've got one big server. You know, you get, John Isner is a big server. If if but the question is, will John Isner make it to the fourth round? Uh, if he's on, and, and, and you know, if he's if John Isner is having a good day, he can give trouble to any player, just, just like he can give to he can give yeah. it to Rafael Nadal. But uh, on a five set match, can he take um, Nadal out? That's a big question mark. The only player there that uh, that I I think uh, could possibly give Rafa any trouble at all would be in the second round if Leo Meyer makes it that far because Leo Meyer has the ability to accelerate from the baseline and uh, and if you remember the last time they played in a major it was a, it was a at the U.S. Open it was a closer match than you think um, Meyer was up a set and 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 had great chances to go up a break in the second and then the once he couldn't you know get over the hump. Everything went downhill from there, so that's that. That could be the only test for Rafa. Otherwise, I see Rafa going all the way, um, all the way to the semifinal. Yeah, from that section. I'm going to throw one player into the mix there that that you didn't mention in that eighth of the draw, which is Diego Schwartzman, who has the best return statistics, uh, at least on second ser- serve, in the men's game at the moment. And, you know, he's a player with tremendous heart yeah. and tremendous fight. And if he makes it um, to a fourth round match against Nadal, that would be worth staying up for, I think. Yeah, he's uh, definitely one of the informed men last year. Uh, the only reason I didn't pick him in my draw is because Schwartzman has not won a set in this uh, you know year that's only two weeks old. And I have Alexander Dolgopolov as Nadal's round of 16 opponent. But uh, Susie, who do you have? I have Nadal coming through. I think that I have agreed with everything that everybody has said. And I think at the moment, the only possible opponent for Rafa is Rafa himself. He hasn't come in having played a tournament. He has played a couple of tie breaks, a couple of exo sets, if you really want to call them that. Team was not well, really, when I think he played him. What was it? I can't remember who he played. Didn't play team, did he? Excuse me for that. But I think that um, unless he is really rusty, he will come through that section. So I think the only person who can beat Rafa is Rafa. If he suddenly starts hitting the ball short, if he suddenly isn't able to do as, as good lateral movement as he usually is because of his knee, then he'll be found out. But 
he has such comfortable players to play against. As Mert said, all those clay court players, Chorich, who has never quite got to the level that we've wanted him, Diego, who has started the, the, the year poorly, Isner, who I don't believe has in the heat and, and on that fast court, the stamina to last the five sets. Um, I can't see anybody beating Nadal before the quarterfinals. So there's kind of consensus here for Rafa Nadal's chances. Um, and uh, he's uh, his projected opponent in the quarterfinals is uh, Marin Cilic. Uh, so, Susie, how do you see that uh, section of Cilic and Carino Busta? Uh, do you see them keeping their matchup or do you see some upset? Well, I must tell you, I have Cilic being beaten by Gilles Seymour. <laughs> um it's a very interesting little section there. Chilich on paper should be coming through in straight into those into the quarterfinals. But again, there's there's a lot of little battles that are gonna go on. You've got Ryan Harrison who's made a good start to the season. You've got Gilles Muller who's gonna be out to prove a point. You've got Cuevas who may be coming back into form. And then you've got Simon who had that fantastic week in Poon where he beat Chilich. Yep. Am I right? He certainly did. So I have actually got Seymour coming through there. You know, he seems to be fully healthy. He was hitting the ball beautifully. And he has the kind of game that can tie Chilich up in knots, as he proved. Uh, Andrew, uh, Marin Chilich, is he one of the lost boys? Uh, I know he escaped with the title, but uh, how do you see his chances? Um, well, technically, no, he isn't a lost boy, partly because he's part of Generation Rafa. He's uh, born roughly at the same time as... Del Potro, and he does have a, a Grand Slam and a, um, a Masters tournament to his name. Um, you know, he's a he, he, he's a player who you would typically think would come through that that section. Um, my dark horse in in this part of the draw is Gilles Muller. And uh, Mert, uh, Martin Cilic is also one of the few players who had coaching changes. We don't know, at least I don't know who has replaced Jonas Bjorkman. Uh, were you surprised when that partnership ended uh, after the World Tour Finals? Yes, I was surprised. And, and it's, it's a bit of an interesting uh, uh, happening. I mean, it's, it's, it's interesting that it ended because uh, both Cilic and Bjorkman are, are, um, are by nature very uh, positive um, and very mature individuals. And so I'm thinking that some, uh, some drastic change in the... In the, in in the perhaps in the private uh, situation of one of them uh, uh, took place. I don't think it was just a simple uh, uh, drift in a way or simple boredom of, of working together that took place there. I I, uh, I saw those two as as working together for a long time. So uh, we don't know, but I I don't want to speculate since we don't know we don't know what happened. But uh, I don't think that uh, I'm not sure if Chilich has replaced him with anybody. But I do have Chilich coming out. Uh, from that section all the way to the quarterfinals to play Rafa. We haven't we haven't talked about Carreño Busta at all, and uh, he's in he's in that section. And uh, he, he yes he's he's matching second round with Gilles Simon if they have to face each other, should be a should be a fantastic baseline bo- uh, battle. In a three out of five set match, it's it's, it's that's a very hard pick. And um, and uh, I can't really you know I know I know Susie has uh, Simon uh, coming coming out of there I guess. Uh, it's that's that's a very hard pick, 50-50. So I, I I can't really argue against Susie. Simon could very well come out of there. I don't I don't see um, I don't see Simon beating Chilich in a five set match though. Yeah. 
No, but I think it's interesting that you mentioned five sets because I've put a big note next to that little section saying a lot of five setters. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so Andrew, uh, let's uh, uh, progress ahead of the next section, uh, which could be a potential semifinal opponents for Kailish Nadal group. Uh, and this is spearheaded by the number three seed, Grigor Dimitrov. And he's been talk of the town for a lot of right reasons of late. He's mm-hmm. been winning. And how, how do you see you know, his first week shaping up? And, uh, and uh, will he keep the date with Andre Rublev, the man who, who put him out of the U.S. Open? Or is it David Ferrer? How do you see that little section That's shaping up? That's interesting because the... Again, one of the matches to look at in the first round is Ferrer against Rublev. Um, you know, both of them potentially going to, to, to grind each other down. You, you, you never bet against David Ferrer in those circumstances. Um, the, the other potential blockbuster match, which is not a first-round match, but is, is likely a fourth-round match, uh, is Kyrgios against Dimitrov, where you've got the the lead player from what I call Generation Grigor, the guys born between 1988 and 1993, coming against the lead player from uh, the next generation, Generation Nick, born between 1994 and 1998. And there's actually a fair amount riding into the tournament on, on Nick Kyrgios's shoulders, obviously because he's uh, Australia's hope, but he's also making a lot of positive noises about knuckling down and controlling his mental state. So that's this eighth of the draw is, you know, very tasty before we get to another incredibly tasty first round match, but one which is, I think, going to be played on the outer courts on the first day. And that's uh, Tsitsipas against Shapovalov or Shapovalov. Uh, And, you know, that is one where five or six years from now, that might be one of the ATP rivalries to watch. It's a great point, yeah. Uh, That match is oozing of talent and potential. So, Susie, same question to you about this section. And I know we've talked on Twitter a lot about Nick Kyrgios. And uh, it's pretty open, you know, how he has a polarized relationship with the Australian media. So, could this be where, you know, a lot of uh, fences yeah. could be mended if he comes through, at least makes a second week and goes down fighting, if not winning the title? Uh, what do you see of the potential? I th- I think he's I think he's mended a lot of fences. I think that he has matured incredibly. Um, I think the fact that he's so honest has actually endeared him to huge legions of fans. And I think, as as Andrew said, he will go in with a huge amount, not only of local support, but also actually worldwide support. I agree with Andrew. This section, this little eighth, is so tasty. I think it's also made very interesting by the fact that you've got a very large number of qualifiers coming into that round who are going to be, you know, played in on those courts, although admittedly some of them have had to play their qualifiers indoors. You know, is Dustin Brown going to end up in that section? Is Kasper Ruud going to end up in that section? Is Bernie Tomic going to end up in that section? All these qualifiers that, you know, we don't talk about, they could really put a, a nice mix into, into that section. But interestingly enough, hearing Andrew talk about that potential blockbuster of Grigor and Nick in round four, before that you have potentially got Joe Wilfred Songer playing Nick. Because if... 
say Stefanos or Dennis come through to play Joe, who has to play a qualifier, mm-hmm. if Nick gets through Troisky, which is not easy, you could have Nick playing Joe. Now, that for me could be an absolute draw maker. If Joe came through, if, if Nick came through that, be it in three straight sets or four tough sets or five absolute, you know, huge sets, then I think that could give Nick a huge platform to kick on from because I've actually got him going through, um, well, I've actually got him going all the way to the final, but I've got him at least coming through that section into the quarterfinal. It's interesting through you point that stuff out and I agree with you, everything you said. And I think the only guy in, in, in the very young careers of some of these matchups, I think Shapovalov is the only matchup I think that C. Kirio is struggling with. Uh, I think uh, unless he's playing Sangha, He's he's probably going to play most of his matches in high sense. I think that's what he prefers, and I think for him to uh, labor, I think later in the as, as the week progresses. Uh, so, Mert, uh, this brings me to my next question. We'll get to the draw in a bit. I know we've talked in the past about tennis IQs. How do you uh, rate Nick Kyrgios' tennis IQ when you see? No, I think it's pretty high for Kyrgios too. He's uh, in fact, I uh, I have I I tend to think that Kyrgios a lot of times. Uh, starts preparing for these matches the night before in uh, in his mind because I've uh, back in his um, much younger days um, uh, I remember his run at Wimbledon when he first uh, beat Gasquet and then he went ahead he went ahead and beat Rafa and uh, in in that run I was at the post match conference of each one of his matches and uh, every time he uh, the, you know, the, he was asked about his next round opponent he had very um, he had highly intelligent comments to make and uh, and uh, this is before, of course, his uh, relationship with the British media soured. So he was still answering questions uh, genuinely without uh, trying to escape, without giving any escape answers. But uh, he uh, and, and, I, and I believe that um, Kyrgios is the kind of guy who goes into into the match with a plan. And if, and if necessary, he'll change his plan during the match. But uh, the, but what makes that easy is that Kyrgios has a lot of weapons in his game. He can uh, he's not just a one-dimensional player. Yes, he's got a huge serve, but I do not have. A, but but at the same time, he can accelerate his forehand. He can put topspin on it. He's got a backhand that he can accelerate down the line or slice. He's got a lot of variety on his second serve. So it's not just the first serve that's uh, that's a weapon, but also the second serve. And he's got the mind to juggle all these strokes uh, in his mind and come up with a certain pattern that's uh, that wins for him. So yes, he's he's got he's got uh, high IQ. And uh, do you see him keeping that date with Grigor Dimitrov or you see both of them faltering because the section is kind of loaded? No, I, I do I do see Kyrgios keeping the date with with Dimitrov. The the only question that I would have for 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 um for Kyrgios advancing is uh, I've always been very tentative uh, about uh calling players to go far, even if they are coming into a tournament as favorites until they've shown me at another, at a a major that they can, uh, they can go really far, play five set matches and not be physically uh, uh, affected or, 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 or simply, uh, you know, come out to the match and be hundred percent physically and mentally throughout the tournament until late in the second week. And uh, and with Kyrgios, I have not yet to see that in a major. So that's the only question mark that I've got. If 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 he ends up playing a tough match in the in the, against Troisky, for example, and then plays Songa and plays a grueling five setter, or or one of the younger guys and plays a grueling five setter, and then has to go out and face Dimitrov, I'm not as sure about his chances as I would be if he were if he were to reach that that stage with just a straight sets win over the previous previous opponents. 
That's a good point. And also there are question marks about that knee, which does seem to react at times. I mean, he obviously had fluid on fluid on it at some point yes. during um, the Brisbane tournament. Now, if he can keep that under control, then then yes. Yeah. Right. So curious is, uh, and Dimitrov actually, this is section, his projected quarterfinal opponent is uh, supposed to be, I think, Jack Sock proceeding. Uh, I have put Luca Pui in there. Uh, again, you know, I'm backing the horse that I believe has a lot of talent. Uh, Andrew, how do you see the other half of this uh, section? And who do you have making making the cut? Gosh, this this may be the weakest eighth of the of the draw. Um, so uh, Anderson comes in with a lot of confidence after his U.S. Open performance. Um, I think one of my favorite players to watch is Cole Schreiber, um, but he's he's beginning to get a bit long in the tooth. Um, Jack Sock actually has a, a, a challenging first round match against uh, Sugita, who is uh, a, a pretty solid player, although ranked some way out from the seeds. So it's, it's a little bit of, you know, a spin the wheel and, and see where the name lands. So I'm just going to go with Kevin Anderson for this section. Okay. And Susie, uh, you agree with Andrew or you have uh, someone else coming through? It's between Kevin and, and Luca Pui. Um, I have actually got Kevin coming through. Um, although I'd love it really to be Luca, I'm not sure whether he is going to carry that Davis Cup victory. You know, we've all had situations, haven't we, where Djokovic came through having won the Davis Cup and then just used it as a springboard and had the most fantastic year and it's happened to other players as well. Will it happen to Luca? I'm I'm not sure. So at the moment, I have back Kevin to come through there. I've only got Sock getting through a couple of rounds. Um, I'm not convinced about his fitness. I'm not convinced about his preparation. I think that he had a very long end of season. I think he probably had a curtailed preparation time. I'm, I'm, I'm just not putting too much money on Sock at the moment. Interesting point Susie makes about Sock. So, Mert. Do you think uh, a lot of time the gripe is top men don't play enough doubles? But at the same time, you think that could be the undoing of Sock because he does go deep in a lot of these doubles matches and he's still a very prominent singles player. And maybe the act itself is very hard to balance. At this um, at this day and age, yes, it is a it, it is a hard act to to, to balance. But uh, but I think it can be done. The I, the problem begins if uh, if there's a if the if there's a, a weather problems and matches get delayed. And then, and then sometimes players end up having to play two matches per day, and uh, or or two days in a row, three days in a row. But I think if the weather cooperates, he, the, the, that 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 shouldn't cause a problem. But I'm with Susie uh, as far as Sock goes. In fact, I, I think Sock's first round against Sugita is is uh, is extremely dangerous match. Uh, you, uh, you, yeah, Yuichi and uh, Sugita could uh, could upset Sock. Um, but I would uh, I would still go with uh, Kevin Anderson from uh, from that side of the draw myself. Although you know that's again you, you got some I got, there are a couple of players that are uh, there that I want to see. I want to see how Nishioka does against Cole Schreiber. I would like to see Mute, the French player, uh, perhaps uh, win a round or two. Uh, there are some interesting names. There's Ivo Karlovich. I mean, Sock is Sock does not have an easy draw anyway to start with here. And and Sog didn't finish that match against uh, Sugita in the Hopman Cup and I think lost the first set tiebreak. So, yeah, that's something to keep an eye on. 
And uh, let's make a move further into the draw. And this brings us to, you know, Dominic team, who's been the talk of the town, you know, for, for a very long time, scheduling, overplaying. Why is he playing back? And we've talked on this very podcast, you know, with Susie, with Mert. Uh, how do you see? I know he's coming with a you know sickness cloud. He's been down with a viral fever or something. He's starting against Pella, and then Stevie Johnson could be potentially up for him. So, Andrew, do you see a Dominic team coming to terms in this section? Early upset. He he looked he looked horrible playing against uh, Djokovic in uh, Kuyong. Uh, could barely find the court, uh, and I think he he was coming there after getting a virus. Uh, from the previous tournament, so that may just have been a being under the weather. But a fast court isn't going to favour him in in this section. Um, I like uh, a guy who just uh, beat Del Potro in Auckland, uh, Roberto Bautista Agu, to to make it through. Uh, it's it's a section that on paper you'd look and you 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 you'd, you'd look at some of the top seeds here. And, and and think they'd make it through, but uh, I I can see Roberto buckling down and uh, and and going quite deep. Uh, and Susie Gallo Blanco has joined uh, Dominic Team's uh, you know clan. Uh, so you, you see that as a welcome move, or that's just another you know additional coach that most top men carry these days. I think he's very full with coaches. Um, I I I struggle with team. I had such high hopes with of him and I I struggle with him. I so want him to make that breakthrough. Um but we talked about tennis IQs earlier and for me that's something that he hasn't got a handle on. His tennis IQ for me has not progressed. Um I think he's got a very very tough first round against Payer. Payer will just scurry and run like a terrier and get everything back and give him no time. Um, and I, I could see that being a potential first round upset. That's a really good point, Susie, about teams, tennis IQ. He's, he's got such big shots, but he hasn't yet got the decision-making right. Um, and and I, I think he's a little bit shell-shocked still from going down to Del Potro in the US Open, but you you, you, you really hit the nail on the head about the tennis IQ. Uh, Mert, uh, I'm sure there's a smile on your face because that's our favorite topic, you know, both times you've come <laughs> on and, you know, team and the word IQ has come up. And we all agree, a lot of potential there and hopefully, you know, he can you know, make you know, some steady progress. Uh, so let me ask you, Mert, uh, Batista Agu just won a tournament uh, beating Del Potro in a physical match. And now he starts against Fernando Verdasco. And Batista is one of the toughest, uh, is the fittest players uh, in the game. But do you think, is, is there a disadvantage that Verdasco is well-rested and Agut comes with a title, uh, even though with confidence? But do you think he may have played a little more, more than expected tennis at this stage? It is a disadvantage to have to play a player like Verdasco in the first round, but it's at the same time a disadvantage for Verdasco himself, too, to have to play Bautista Agut in the first round. Uh, so you can you can make that argument both ways. You can say, uh, well, you know, he's coming in having played uh, so many matches and he might be exhausted or he might be tired. At the same time, you could also say he's coming in ready to play. And uh, so it, it, it depends on which way it's going to work out. I think with Bautista Agut, 
uh, he's a he's a positive guy in the, by, uh, by nature, and uh, he does he usually goes into into the court believing that he has a chance to win every match, and uh, and but you won't see that on his face. He's he's, um, he's the closest thing to be on board that we've had probably in, in in this time in this day and age. He keeps the same face throughout the match, but uh, he. Um, uh, I do. I, I think Bautista Agut will beat Verdasco, and I agree with Andrew. I think uh, I'm, pick, I'm picking Bautista Agut to come out of that section too. I will make one other point about that little section, and Susie touched on uh, having qualifiers, uh, a lot of qualifiers in that um, in, in, in in the draw. For example, we were talking about the Grigor Dimitrov section of the draw, and there were a ton of qualifiers to come in in that section. Five of them, some of them playing each other in the first round. Here I see two spots for qualifiers, and, and if I'm in the last round of qualifying and I win my match, I am begging to be I am begging to be placed right here in that number 60, 68 and sixty nine. These two qualifiers will one of them will face Steve Johnson in the first round, the other one will will face Yuri Veseli in the first round, and then the next seed that they will face if they win will be either Dominic Team or Adrian Manarino. And then, and then they're still – with all that, they're still in Stan Wawrinka's section of the draw. You usually have one qualifier in majors who, who produces a splash, who goes far. And, uh, and, and, and I don't know who the two qualifiers will be on that, on that draw right there, but, uh, but if, I'm, if I'm one of the qualifiers and I'm looking for a career type of tournament, this would be the place that I would want to be in. Yeah, and this section is where I have got my two upsets. As I said, I've got team possibly losing that first round. I have to say I have got Stan being beaten in the first round and I have got RBA coming through to the quarterfinals. Uh, I think this is a very unanimous or harmonious section here with Roberto Batista Agut as you know, a survivor of the section where you know Dominic team and Stan Wawrinka live. And uh, now... You know, the man of the hour, the comeback man, as we discussed already, Novak Djokovic, all eyes there, starting against Donald Young and potentially playing Gael Monfils. So uh, we already touched upon Djokovic and uh, we talked about his motion, uh, service motion, if he's fit. So Susie thinks he can lose to Monfils and I kind of agree, even though the math says otherwise. Andrew, what's your take on this potential upset that's looming large for Novak? Yeah, I mean, the first thing that I, I, I absolutely have to do is to correct myself from earlier because I said that Novak was a five-time winner in Melbourne. He's a six-time winner, which is what Susie said after that. If any of the many Djokovic fans listen to this podcast, I, I will come in for all kinds of uh, gentle chastisement on Twitter for that. Um, you know, don't write off Donald Young. Um he, he he's a player who can um, who, can, who can give stronger players trouble. He knocked out Andy Murray early in uh, Indian Wells several years back. Um, so those first two rounds that Novak has against Young and then potentially against Monfils if he makes it through to the second round, um, those, those are potential testers for him. And um, I completely agree with Mert that Djokovic is a player that if his elbow is, uh, is not giving him any trouble and if the service motion that he's, he's changed um, is something that, that beds down very quickly, then you never bet against someone who knows how to win a dozen majors, which Djokovic does. But I, I 
I just don't have him coming out of. I don't have him making the quarterfinals. Uh, I think if I, a little bit like um, we we referenced Federer's comeback last year, where where Federer said a fourth round in the Australian Open in 2017 would have been a great achievement in in his case. I think if Djokovic can make it through to the fourth round of the quarterfinals, he, he'll have overachieved for the Australian Open, not for 2018 and beyond. Djokovic is, is going to be, I hope, a force to be reckoned with for a long time to come. But I think that kind of like Stan, this is, this is a tournament too early, given where his body is right now. And he can prove me wrong. Yeah, of course, uh, all eyes will be on Novak. So let me ask you this, Susie. I kind of agree with you that Monfils can test Djokovic, but I have a feeling when these comebacks happen, like even in Federer's case, because the comparisons are going to grow louder as Novak keeps winning. Federer played some really iffy matches against Noah Rubin and Melzer last year at the Australian Open. So do you see that moment coming against Ramos Vinolas? Because if that happens, that can get a, become a very tricky match if Djokovic is losing rhythm in that kind of a matchup. I have Jared Donaldson actually coming through against um, Ramos Vinolas. Um, so that's just put your, put that's thrown your question. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> I, it's interesting. I think that the way that Djokovic plays compared to the way Federer plays, it's difficult to, to get a comparison in terms of who Djokovic has got in the draw. He hasn't got anyone who's going to really blow him off the court. I think it's going to be more about match stamina and I can remember when Federer had his comeback, he said that he had actually played 26 match sets um, against various people, Luca Pui among them in Dubai. Now, I, you know, it, obviously we don't know, but I'm not sure how many sets that Djokovic has actually played. I'm not sure how much tennis he's actually played. He's obviously been doing an awful lot of hitting, but not for that long. Um, and I just... I'm just, I, I totally agree with you, Andrew. You cannot write someone off who knows how to win this tournament six times. But, you know, to suddenly have that pain before the, um, the exhibition in Abu Dhabi, who knows whether that pain suddenly going to reappear? I just think there's a, there's a roll of the dice here for him. I would be delighted if he made it out of the section. But at the moment, I haven't got him make it, making it out of the section. All right, so that uh, opens up the door for, you know, the next possible point of conversation. As uh, Mert said, you know, a lot of times, like in regard to Kyrgios, it's hard to uh, bank a horse that actually who hasn't done well at the race, even though there's a lot of potential, a lot of momentum. The so same could be said of Sasha Zverev. We've talked about him, you know, making the breakthrough, but he hasn't really made that second week. Actually, he did at Wimbledon and Stranich, but his grandson record is pretty pedestrian. So do you think this as the venue where that can change? And if he keeps a date with Djokovic, does the young German advance? Yes. Uh, uh, Saki, if you were asking me, I'm sorry, I didn't hear the beginning. Yes. Yes, I, uh, I think this is his chance to, to, to prove that he can because, um, because he's, he, if you look at his, uh, his little section there, I don't, uh, I don't see any players that he, that, uh, that he will have trouble with in the first round or in the second round. He will play his brother if, if his brother makes it past Chung. 
uh, and and Daniel Medvedev perhaps, but uh, but they, the two brothers should play each other in the third round, and that's a, that's a tricky matchup when two brothers play each other, even though one might be having a much better career than the other. Uh, it's it's you don't have that uh, mental edge with your brother as the better player that you that um, that uh, that you may have with another player who who's not a member of your family. So that's a tricky matchup, but I but I but I do believe that um, the only true opponent. Or the only uh, the only really um, the big barrier that stands in in the way of Alexander Zverev is Novak Djokovic, and that's a big if. Again, uh, let me reiterate: if Novak has zero pain physically, in other words, if, if 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 he doesn't have if he doesn't have physical pain, I am really looking forward to that fourth round match between Djokovic and Zverev. So can I just butt in there? So do you have no um, thoughts of uh, Chung or Kokonakis doing any damage there? Because I don't, Chung, Chung possible, yes. Chung could beat uh, could beat Misha Zverev. I have Chung beating Misha Zverev and playing Alexander Zverev in the third round. But I but that's as far as I got him going. Um, and I do not have Kokonakis beating Medvedev. I actually have Medvedev uh, beating Kokonakis. Okay, interesting. Yeah, that's a very interesting matchup. I have Kokinakis there purely after Medvedev won this tournament, uh, so I thought you know he could be maxed out uh, physically. Uh, another great section to keep an eye. So it's let's possible, progress yes. in the uh, in the draw, and uh, we have uh, David Goffin, who's you know Susie and mine, you know favorite uh, outside of the big names, and we think this could be his breakthrough moment. And Matt Villander, you know, a lot of people have backed him. Uh, how do you see Mert, uh, David Goffin, you know, in this tournament, especially now with the draw is out? Uh, how visible is he, in your opinion, to go far? Yes, I, I, I back Willander on this one too. Me too. <laughs> I, uh, I, I think Goffin. Me too. <laughs> I think Goffin will go to the quarterfinals there. That's who I picked, and uh, and 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 I'm a little bit uh, baffled that Goffin constantly gets uh, underestimated for 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 what he has accomplished. Uh, he's, he's, he's one of the, at this point uh, in the ATP tour, he's one of the toughest baseline ralliers that, that, uh, that, we, that we can see. And he's got a distinct style of, uh, of playing from the baseline, which is to, ta- to, to hit balls early, to flatten them out, to be able to accelerate cross court and down the line on both, uh, on both wings, uh, be able to spend a lot of time on the baseline or inside. And, uh, and he's, he's extremely quick. Uh, he returns very, very well, which is going to be an advantage on fast courts. Uh, I'm assuming that the courts are going to be are going to play like last year, and uh, and and I don't see uh, I, I I don't see anyone taking him out. You know, while well, people are going to say, well, what about Juan Martin Del Potro? Yes, Juan Martin Del Potro, and I'm I'm a fan of Del, Del Potro, uh, but I think Del Potro has 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 a tough draw. Uh, I'm not. I'm not 100% sure that Del Potro will make it to the uh, to the fourth round. So I I think uh, Goffin has a clear path to the fourth round. And by the time whoever his opponent is from that Burdich, uh, Deminor, Hachanov, Pear, Del Potro's little section yeah. there, whoever his opponent is that comes uh, to that gets to the fourth round is not going to be as fresh as Goffin. Um, I got Goffin going to the quarterfinals. Okay, I mean the the only thing that I have to add, I've I've penciled Goffin as well, is a few more marquee matchups. Uh, Verdi is probably going to be 
a bridge too far for Damien Al, but what a, what a start to the season he had. And then you've got another of the generation next, Francis Tiafo against Del Potro. Del Potro looked pretty um, gassed at the end of his match uh, in the open final against uh, Bautista Agu. So uh, a little bit of a little bit of an opening there for Tiafo. Yeah, I think this is again a section where a lot of big names live, and I personally have uh, Thomas Burdick uh, playing Goffin in the round of sixteen. I think I agree with Andrew that yes. uh, uh, Del Potro, you know, his fitness, especially in back-to-back weeks, could be a question mark. And uh, I think Hashinov will make him, you know, work hard for his points. Del Potro probably will win this match, and I think Burdick could be, uh, you know, a tougher task at that point. Uh, Susie, how do you see uh, if you see any different uh, of the outcome of the Goffin and Del Potro section? No, I have Goffin coming through. I do actually have Delper beating Burdick, um, but I don't have Delper going any further than that because I agree with Mert. I think that he's going to have three very tough matches to get to get there. Players like Tiafo, you know, they can absolutely catch fire in round one and that could easily be a 4-5 setter. So I think by the time he's got to the fourth round, Delpo, he's going to be struggling. And that brings us to the very last section where, you know, the defending champion, uh, Roger Federer lives, and uh, he's uh, you know he's he's writing new books on you know how to fight time and father time, and you know I don't know what's more surprising last year that he won the uh, Australian Openers comeback, or a year later he's uh, the overwhelming favorite. So Mert, uh, uh, how do you see Federer's section, and is he you know the man to beat in this round of uh, in this section? Yes, he's the man to beat in the tournament actually, but uh, the, in this section definitely. Yeah, uh, I I don't uh, him too for especially in the early part of the section in his little section there from Gasquet all the way down to Roger, uh, he if he probably could not have designed a better draw if 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 you were to give the um, give the draw the draw to him at least to make it to the fourth round where he could have a he could have a bigger challenge uh, if Sam Querrey makes it uh, or if Milos Raonic. Also, again, same thing there. If physically, if Vronich is physically fit and he gets to the fourth round, having put in his pocket three uh, good matches, then yes, he could, uh, he could give Federer some trouble. But at the end of the day, I've got Roger coming out uh, at the, to the quarterfinals from that, from that section of the draw. Uh, so, Susie, uh, let's talk about Milos for a while. I know this guy, along with uh, Kei Nishikori, have been the face of, you know, injuries in the last few years and uh you know they, they have made many comebacks and uh what do you think is uh, the case or your expectations for Milos this time he lost to Dimenor I think uh what is in Brisbane and uh how far you see him advancing here uh I funnily enough I have low expectations of him but when I looked at his draw I actually thought you know what he could actually make it through at least two rounds and then depending on whether Query or Lopez come through or even possibly Marton, you know, um, Fuksovic, um, I I can't go and see him further going the, than the fourth round and I, I sort of got a 50-50 that he won't get through the third round. I just don't think he's match fit. Great. And... Uh... Andrew, uh, how do you view this uh, particular section where Query, Federer, and Raonic live? Yeah, just um, echo Mert pretty much. 
I, Susie, I think, said uh, earlier in our conversation that the Hotman Cup is you don't have that as the same level as, as a as a tour level match but Federer looked very comfortable most of the way through the Hopman Cup um, I think he lost one set to uh, Sasha Zverev um, but he took it seriously he was moving very well um, striking the ball very cleanly uh, decision making you know occasionally not so great but uh, Federer looks in, in, in pretty good nick. I, I have him penciled in for a quarterfinal against Goffin. Hmm. Okay, so let me ask you this question, Susie, first. Uh, you know, we all think Goffin has an upper hand here uh, in that section to face Roger Federer in the quarters. But Juan Martin Del Potro, you know, in the past has delivered a lot of surprises and has played some, you know, legendary matches against Roger in New York. So, Susan, what is your opinion? Why is the difference here that Roger, two times that he's played um, Del Potro at Australian Open, hasn't dropped a set? Those have been beatdowns. While at the US Open, we know the result has gone the other way in five and four sets. So, if that match were to take place, uh, you think Federer is just ready this time compared to New York? I think there are two two factors. The first factor is it's, is it is the time of year that this match is being played when he has played Del Potro in Australia. You know, you can't get around it. You know, Roger is in his 37th year. At the beginning of the season, he is rested and he is fresh. He also the conditions suit him perfectly in Australia. And he likes the hot weather. He likes the fast courts. He likes the environment, the ambiance. Everything suits him. Um, and I think by the time he gets around to the US Open, I think it's much more of a struggle. And I think for Del Potro, it's almost the opposite in that he doesn't find the fast courts quite as easy. He is not as played in as he would like. He is not as match hardened. Um I don't know, Mert, you may disagree with me, but I, I think that sometimes that does matter when they play these matches in the season. Yes, it, 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 it does matter. I, I, I slightly disagree with you on the, on the, fast, on the surface, uh, surface speed because uh, they, they, I believe Roger plays just as well on, a, on, a, on, a, on, on the US Open's fast surface. And, uh, and in fact, the year, the one of his losses against Del Potro that Saki was talking about came in 2009. That's, uh, that's five years, that's after the five years that Roger won US Open in a row. And, uh, the, the, but, the, but, the, but that final, that five set loss against Del Potro in the 2009 final was a completely different, uh, different story. That, that, that if Roger will probably look back in his career, and wonder, you know, what the, the, if he were to if he were to retire today with 19 major titles, he'd probably look back at his career and wonder, I cannot believe I didn't get the 20th on on, on that match. He he, uh, he had that match in his pocket all along. Even the two sets, the second and fourth sets that he lost to 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 Del Potro, he should have never lost them. Uh, now in the fifth set, Del Potro played incredible tennis and he, he deserved to win um, uh, that match, but uh, it should have never gotten that far. And uh, and and I think. Um, the time of the year being fresh, yes, it makes a difference for Roger. But the two times that Roger lost to um, to Del Potro um, uh, at the U.S. Open in the second loss, last year's loss, I I, I totally see your point. Yes, uh, Roger was perhaps tired, and he's in his older age, and um, and and he did not play well. I mean, I don't know if he was tired or not, but that match, that whole tournament, actually, the U.S. Open, uh, 
uh, Roger did not play well. Even, even. Uh, well, I still think I still think he was suffering with back with slight back issues. And if your game is so dependent on movement as it is with Roger being able to go forward and back as well as laterally, then you know you have the slightest problem with your back. Your your game is going to be affected. Yes, and another thing to no, you're 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 completely right. Uh, but but you know the the two losses, the reasons for both losses are completely different. I think the second one, like you said, fits uh, your description a lot more than the first than the first loss. But uh, but I will also say this: I've noticed. Uh, I don't have the 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 head-to-head matches on in front of me with between Del Potro and Roger, but uh, but as far as I remember, and this is completely from the top of my head, whenever Roger suffers a loss against uh, Juan Martin, if you look at the next five to six matches, they're they're heavy, convincing wins for Roger, and um, I, I just think that they're 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 a bit uh, wake-up calls. I do, and that's another reason why I don't see Roger losing to Juan Martin, even if they were to play here, but uh, I don't think they will. That brings us to the prediction time, uh, Mert. Uh, who's going to win this thing, and who's going to be the losing finalist on the men's side? Okay, on the semifinals, and again, I'm going to say I'm going to say this very quickly, so it's going to sound like I'm saying it with a lot of conviction. <laughs> but uh, I've got I've got uh, Roger playing against Novak in one semifinal. I've got Roger defeating Novak in that semifinal, going to the finals. In the other semifinal, I have Rafa versus Grigor. And I've got Grigor taking out Rafa this time. And I've got Roger beating Grigor in the finals. Uh, I have the same final. Uh, but I have uh, Dimitrov beating Schwartzman in the top section of the draw. And I have Federer beating Bautista Agu. Uh, and then for the first time, one of the lost boys lifts a Grand Slam uh, trophy. I have Dimitrov... Um, pulling off what will be seen as an upset, but may come to be seen as part of a changing of the guard in the final. Okay, that's a very bold move, Susie. Oh gosh, I haven't got Griegel getting to the final. He's not <laughs> going to speak to me, is he? Um, interestingly enough, I also have Bautista Agut getting to a semi-final. I just think that the opportunity in that section is ripe for him for, to take. Because even if Novak gets to the quarters, which I'm quite happy for him to do so, I just think that a Bautista Agut could wear him down um, by that stage. So I have him playing Roger in that semi, and I have Nadal playing Nick. I have Nick beating Rafa on the big stage in Australia in front of his home fans. And then I do have Roger beating Nick in the final. Not quite ready to hand over that baton yet, Andrew. <laughs> Nothing would make me happier than to see uh, Roger lifting the trophy again. But uh, uh, I'll, we'll, 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 we'll all see how our predictions turn out. Yes, and uh, guys, before we end this, I had three uh, questions that come in through uh, the Twitter uh, the Twitter followers who listen to the podcast, and I'll throw one question each to you. So first is uh, from uh, uh, Tuffy Mitten. Uh, Susie, so this is for you. Which of the slamless world number ones is more likely to win the title, Wozniacki or Halep? Ooh, that's a very tough question and a very good question. Um, I think in this instance, I'm going to say Halep. Okay. And then uh, there's a question uh, from a tennis fan, also known as Shankster, a big Rafa Nadal fan. 
So he has Zverev versus Kyrgios final. Andrew, uh, your thoughts? I, I echo what Mert said earlier, which is you you very rarely see someone going all the way to a final without making a deep run at another major before. Let's take Del Potro in 2009, upsetting Federer in the US Open. He damn nearly did it in the Roland Garros semifinal that year. They played a magnificent five-setter. So, so Del Potro had been there before, and, and the chance of two players, Vera and Kyrgios, going deep, um, that would mark a changing of the guard. It, it's really hard to see two players doing it, let alone one. Okay, so, uh, Mert, you get the last question from uh, Akash Joshi. He's asking uh, uh, about Wawrinka. Uh, we didn't hear much about uh, his comeback and the comeback theme. Uh, how is he shaping up? Well, that's uh, that's a tough question to answer because he's the biggest question mark himself. Wawrinka is the biggest question mark himself. In the, furthermore, he expressly stated it himself, right? When he when, when he says, "I'm just gonna I'm just gonna say," so uh, I I don't uh, I don't know if the if the person asking the question is a Wawrinka fan or not, and I don't want to disappoint, disappoint him. But when Stan makes a statement like, um, "I'm gonna give it a shot and we'll see." I don't see a high degree of motivation behind that statement. And, uh, and I think if for Stan to work, the, for, for, for things to work out for Stan, I, uh, no, he would have to feel zero pain because, uh, because Stan is the kind of guy, if he, if he feels a little bit of pain and if he doesn't feel like he's 100%, considering the fact that he hasn't gotten much uh, practice or much court time to begin with, um, I can easily see him... Um, uh, stop the match and not even finish the match that he started. So, um, so this, this, this statement that he made, he made himself, uh, yesterday just gives, just makes me think, uh, makes me think that he's not going to do well. I don't, I don't expect much out of Stan. Okay. So on that note, I think we have covered a lot of ground, 45 minutes, roughly each of WTA and ATP. Thanks all for joining. And hopefully, you know, people give it a listen and enjoy as the slam is just uh, less than a day away. Thanks, guys. Cheers. Thank you. Thank you. Bye.